What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Fatigue Podcast. That's right. My name is JS. This guy is Messiah Complex Cosplay, Akka. We call him Akka around here. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing this quick because we've got a special guest with us today. That's right. We've got Motion. No, I forget it again now. Every time. Capture Performance Actor. Still not. Still not that. Still not still right. Not, no, no, performance no. Capture Actor. There you go. Actor, performance Capture performance Artist. Capture Artist. Alan Henry is with us today. What's up, Alan? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> my pleasure thank you so much for having me alan uh, he's french i don't know what to tell you there, it's there's a whole everything's backwards it's all i, I, I love him to pieces but yeah <laughs> uncle jeff i was just beginning to fear it was just jay no 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 no. we are all here and we are blessed to be joined by alan henry today for those of you that don't know we got to meet alan uh in late october late september early october yes at the northern national collector convention uh mm -hmm. alan flew all the way in from new zealand to join us at the convention because there was a huge presence for both king kong and godzilla of course with godzilla versus kong so alan was there uh representing the kong side of things i believe Mm. yeah mm -hmm. and uh yeah and we got to meet alan and uh we hit it off and we were like hey do you want to be on our stupid little geeky podcast and he ridiculously said yes so here we are and then we spent most of the pre-show just geeking out over his sweater and then we got off on this huge topic about tabletop <laughs> right rpg games so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our pre-interview style is not fantastic guys you guys know this we'll just fumble our way through this and i'm sure alan's gonna bail us out on a few of these things but well that's yeah. okay that's okay uh before we get started um i, I want to talk a little bit about the different roles or, or productions that you've been in because you've been in so much stuff i mean it's it's it boggled my mind when i went through your imdb your uh your agency uh profile you, you've got there's so freaking much there it's crazy but the main thing's obviously kong Godzilla versus Kong, as well as mm -hmm. the new Godzilla X Con, yep. the new Empire, mm -hmm. Steppenwolf and Justice League. Mm -hmm. Were you in in for both the Snyder version and the original and we, version? Yeah, yeah. yeah the there we go. Yeah. You're yeah. Koki, our favorite cocaine yeah. bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you did a bunch of stuff on Planet of the Apes, mm -hmm. um, the Hobbit series. Mm -hmm. um alita avatar uh, the avengers i mean you did a bunch of stuff for marvel i mean it feels like when i'm looking at the list of films you were part of if it's a big budget blockbuster movie that's come out in the last seven or eight years you were somehow a part of it mm -hmm. yeah 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 Yeah. it's uh it's i mean the the joys of living in new zealand because new zealand is so tiny when a giant project like avatar or the hobbit turns up everyone's gonna eventually be in it mm. and uh because i have such a strong working relationship with wete fx here in new zealand i've been able to be involved in almost every project they've had running uh since 2010 maybe no 2007 yeah. So you've been in the game a long time. And then for the viewers that are tuning in, they're going to be watching this and watching it later on. If you could describe to us what is a performance capture artist, what is it that you do to bring mm. a character to life for a movie? Uh, so, yeah, for those who don't know, performance capture, I'm the guy in the, the gray Lycra suit covered in dots moving around in a studio. Uh, and my movement is used as data for, uh, for visual effects artists to create digital characters like superheroes or monsters or creatures or, you know, nine-year-old kids or little elves or big robots. 
that's 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 me. In the process, when we were talking about it earlier, you mentioned mm -hmm. that a lot of the time it actually happens in post-production. It happens once principal photography is done, just mm -hmm. to incorporate that. Does that give you a chance to see a little bit of what they're going, what your character is going to represent? Does that help you to kind of gauge your performance or get you into the character when it comes time to bring that character to life in your motions and movements? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um. We, I mean, first, I mean, yes, it does, because we get a lot of the footage that's already been shot, and most of it is, you know, the set is there, the costume's there, the actors are there, you can kind of get the gist of what they're trying to do. But also, when we're doing performance capture, we're, we have large monitors around us that are giving us real-time feedback mm -hmm. of the digital characters in the scene. And over the years, the technology, you can see, you can spy it in the back there. Of that. Um, over the years, the technology is getting so much more, like it's so much more advanced and so much more intense. Now they can, they can live comp myself into fully rendered scene. Yeah, even, even the TV real background, time? That's, re that's happening in real time. Like we're actually seeing your motions already rendered on the screen in real time. That's wild. Mm. Yeah, and that's just on on what's known as Gen Man, just the generic, yeah, um, kind of human. Uh, they can, if they have access to the asset, the digital asset, they can they can show you it. So you can, I can wander around as as a Transformer or as an Avenger or as a weird bat, scorpion, spider creature, and you can kind of see how it moves and reacts and adjust your performance accordingly. I was just going to say, you get that instant feedback, right? So mm -hmm. even not just mm -hmm. for you, but for the director, like as you guys mm -hmm. are trying to, you know, I'm, I'm assuming when you're doing these things, you need for, to get from point A to point B, right? In your scene, yes. you can get to point B in a hundred different directions, right? So mm -hmm. being able to get that real-time feedback will really help guide you into what exactly it is that, that you do. Um, yeah. I was somehow, and, and this is me perhaps being naive here, but when you see... Wow footage of for example uh andy circus mm. playing gollum in mm -hmm. the lord of the rings where he's actually on set mm -hmm. with the actors in the yeah. suit playing gollum i in my mind assume you were mainly on set as well but i guess before you were saying not really for you guys it's, it's mainly in studio yeah it's it's 50 50 it depends on what the production needs for cocaine bear i was on set the whole time Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, but that because the requirement for the job was for me to be a physical presence for the actors so that they could kind of see, like, I mean, yes, the camera needed it for composition because they could see where I move and how I move. And VFX would use me as a, as a, almost like a template reference for where the bear was. But also for the actors, it's like, it's one thing to, that to, to imagine the bear is there but it's a it's a little bit easier for the imagination when you've got like a six foot tall like you know 95 kg dude crashing through the trees towards you roaring and snarling i mean i i don't look that much like a bear which is which is i say i say that much like there's there's a there's, there's a decent amount of hair all over the place but like it's it's a real testament to the to the actors i was working with to their imagination because they within like the moment i walked on set in my tight black lycra with my silly arm extensions and my little head extension 
Like, it is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen. And everyone gets very awkward and weird and laughs at it for about two minutes. And then, you know, everyone is so professional, we just get into the work. And then before you know it, everyone has just kind of suspended their disbelief and they've bought in. And there, you know, Kerry Russell is screaming her head off. Um, and like Isaiah Whitlock is up on a roof being like, God oh, damn. So it's like everyone is in there with you. So and, it's, and it's very easy to like, for, you know, for me to just kind of let eight-year-old Alan take over and just have a good time pretending to be this monster or this bear. And I think that's what a lot of the reactions that we're getting so far from the people watching. What a cool gig. I don't have better words. It's so cool. Uh, sounds like such a cool job. Uh, it's it's amazing. Cool. You get to be King Kong. Uh, yeah. But one of the questions that we we're obviously going to lead off from a lot of this, when we're talking about mm -hmm. is how, how did you get into this work? I would imagine I did go mm -hmm. over some of your stuff. You did have some theater work early on and, and I can't, mm -hmm. I can't imagine that hurts. I mean, having that theater background must help mm -hmm. you getting Definitely. into these characters and being this physical and being this emotive mm -hmm. with the characters. So how did mm -hmm. you get into the line of work, Alan? I, it's a combo, like, it sounds like a cliche, but it's a combination of luck and stacking the deck in your favor. So being in the right place at the right time, talking to the right people is is like probably a large part of it. But as a young person, when I was growing up, I was physical. I did dance and gymnastics and I rode BMXs off sand dunes and I climbed trees, you know, and I, and I ran, tried to run faster than my friends. All of that physical stuff that I did as a kid then translated into performance when I was older because, you know, I come from a family that's very we're you know we're maori so we play a lot of music we do a lot of singing we like everyone's a bit of a show-off everyone has a good time at parties so it kind of grew and then when i did my theater training here in in wellington in new zealand physical performance was a big part of that and there are i looked for opportunities where i could try to do the things that i saw on the movies that i liked so i grew up watching a lot of like like really wonderfully bad 80s action movies so like i was a huge fan of like sylvester stallone and like arnold schwarzenegger and jean-claude van damme and like i remember watching michael dudikoff do the american oh, ninja american ninja american yes. ninja and Absolutely. i was like i was like put me in one of those that's what i want to do ninja suits and let me do the flips. <laughs> hell yeah yeah and so you know and then and then that led to like learning more about like Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and Jet Li and, you know, Donnie Yen and all of, all of that kind of physical performance uh, fueled my desire to do the things that I wanted to do. So I looked at what they were doing and I did martial arts and I did parkour and I did, you know, I, I did like look for places where I could go like rock climbing and things like that to get kind of stronger and more flexible and, 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 uh, and then just, yeah, just kind of let, let, geeky nerdy little eight-year-old alan take over you know because you know so often the world is like get a job get decent money and you know the rational part of me is like that would be a good idea but then you know <laughs> then eight-year-old alan is like but what if uh? what if we pretended to be a superhero <laughs> <laughs> do you, you know, remember then, that do you remember that first gig that was kind of the turning point for you where you're like this is like the first check yeah. you got for work that you did in this particular industry yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a three part process. Um, I had uh, arrived at um, at theater school at drama school, and we were doing physical performance. And through that, one of my teachers had a connection with 
Peter Jackson and his wife Fran, mm-hmm. and they were currently filming Pete's version of King Kong in oh, yeah, Wellington. Yeah, yeah. So my tutor used her connections and called in some favors and took our entire class to see Andy Circus in the studio. Nice working. And that was a moment where, you know, like 22 year old Alan Henry, who came from a small town, from a very poor family, didn't have a lot of opportunity. That was the moment where I saw not only was my dream possible, but it was accessible. Because if it's in my town and the people I know are making it, there's a good chance that I can, we can try and work together. And then following that, I started to ask, and Andy was Andy was an absolute treasure. He he like took a break during to, during a take to come over and talk to us, and he sat with us and answered questions and and really tried to make us realize that we were like we were were not special, but that we were worthy and important. You know, he was he was like I'm doing this, but I was you know I was there where you are. I was a drama student. I was a theater student. I was an acting student. So just because I'm here and you're there doesn't mean you can't make this transition. And he was really generous with his time and his support. And then we went back to drama school and and I really focused on finding those people who were making that work and talking to them. And um and I tried to I tried to remember that it wasn't just about um a sort of narcissistic networking kind of thing. It was more about they're making work that I want to be a part of. So how can I be a part of this community? And so I talked to filmmakers and I talked to VFX artists and I talked to prop builders and I talked to cosplayers and I talked to comic book nerds. And then I started to find my community. And then by the time I had finished drama school, I got an audition through an agent for what was then the Halo movie that Mm -hmm. Neil Blomkamp was directing. He was directing in Wellington. And I got an audition for the mocap team and I got selected. Oh, wow. And then, and unfortunately that film got canned because of all sorts of other decisions that none of us could control. Yeah. So unfortunately that job didn't happen, but the people that I'd been working with for only two days remembered who I was. And when more projects came up, they would put my name forward and be like, Alan's around, Alan's got some skill, you know, he's got potential. And it just grew from there and grew from there. And, uh, and it was never about, trying like a lot of people will talk about the hustle in this industry and that's part of it but i think the hustle also has to be some like you can't just burn yourself trying to hustle you gotta like you have to build that community because if you just come at it like a hustler trying to get the job and trying to make the money i feel like it's difficult to build that support network for when that work gets difficult or thin on the ground Mm mm-hmm and especially in somewhere like New Zealand, where the industry is, we have an industry, it's not the biggest industry. And there are moments where the industry is very, very uh, quiet. And that's when the locals start making their own work. And that's where your community supports you when you're like, I don't have an entire film crew, I have friends who are on film crews, if we have time and resource, do we want to get together and make make something? You know, and that's like, that's how Taika got his start. And that's how so many New Zealanders get their start. So it's about, for me, it was about building that community. And I remember back at the Northern National, I asked the same question to um, to uh, to Doug, who was who was the super former for Godzilla, the 98 Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. I asked him the same question, and he said, put yourself where the work is. 
And that's, I think that's the trick. Find out where the work you want to do is. Try and get yourself there. And then talk to those people who are doing that and get to know them and find out if they are your people, if, they, if that is your community. And if it is, you know, then you can find ways of being a part of that community and then you grow the opportunities from there. I love what you're preaching about community. We in the cosplay community kind of have that same philosophy mm. and, and some don't kind of like what you're talking about. That hustle is, is they end up kind of like almost stepping on the people that they feel mm. that they have to, to get to whatever that golden mm. ring is. And if they don't mm. get it, well, those people that you stepped on are not going to be there to help you out when you come down because yeah. you treated them so poorly. So that's mm. what we try to do in the cosplay community too, is just keep building that community and, and giving that sense of community as much as we can. It's nice to hear you saying that that's, and clearly it has worked for you. Because yeah. now you've been in the industry for for over a decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't yeah. seem like, based on your your credits on IMDb and through your your site, there, you're not exactly you haven't been wanting for work as of late. Anyways, I know with with COVID and such that obviously would have thrown some wrench in the work. Do you want to talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit and how that affected what you do and and how that affected productions as a whole during the the blip, as a lot of us are calling it mm. in the geek and nerd uh, community. Yeah, it was it's that's an interesting question because the situ the the lockdown situation in New Zealand was very very different to the rest of the world. Oh, really? So, well, just because of how strict our government was with the lockdown. Um we we experienced a lot less tragedy than other countries. We also we were very fortunate to have a government that offered a lot of support to everyone who was on the lockdown like i know a lot of other countries gave out stimulus checks our government was like we will actually try and figure out a solution where everyone can can survive and kind of have what they need because a lot of our stuff was you know you had to get it delivered and things like that and we're such an import heavy country being at the bottom of the planet a lot of things that needed to be imported couldn't be so a lot of focus came back to like local vendors and local you know like we realized that a lot of what we need can be produced here. And then that kind of bled into the creative industries where a lot of, um, a lot of work grew from like lockdown zoom calls, kind of similar to this where people would just get on zoom and be like, so I've got this idea. We obviously can't go out and film it. So what are some alternatives? And then other people would be like, well, you know, uh, one of the, one of the coolest projects that came out of lockdown in New Zealand was, a group of actors and musicians in New Zealand had a Zoom meeting like once a week and they figured out how to each play a live instrument and replay the soundtrack to Little Shop of Horrors. So, <laughs> awesome. so they, they just created the show where they would live play and like everyone was in time. They like they had rehearsals and they had like they figured out the harmonies and then they just chucked it online and they're like 8 p.m. Who wants to watch it? And you could like they would share the um, the dialogue from the film. Um, well, not even the film. Actually, they would took they took all the audio out and they just redid just all the audio, out. the songs, oh, wow. the foley, the dialogue. It was Wild. it was great, awesome. And that was and then we were lucky be because we had a government at the time that was like gave us the time and the money and the resources for creative people to pursue that. Yeah, you know, which is like a a clear example of like, hey, it's almost like art improves lives. And if people are supported and have security, they're going to pursue fulfilling art. And then, of course, that same government was like, yeah, but. <laughs> but also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. 
stay in by, don't do it yet. Yeah, yeah. JS, I feel like I'm hogging all Alan's time. That's quite fine. We got Megan over here saying, I love that. I love the With thought people of people walking by you and not knowing you're the actor behind some of these iconic roles. So nuts. And yeah, is that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I would feel about the fact that I was in all these movies and when I was all these iconic characters, but nobody knows who the hell I am. Yeah, I feel a, like when a, you get into a situation where, like you were saying, now you've got this big name Hollywood actor who might be voicing a role. Hmm. Do you feel like you kind of take the back seat when something like that happens? Like, how does that impact you mentally when you're preparing for a role like that? Mm. It's a it's a double-edged sword because the joy of working in performance capture is you can be anything because it doesn't matter what you look like. What matters is how can you move? Can you move the way the, you know, the character moves? Mm -hmm. uh, but also, yeah, I feel like I'm not exactly sure how these decisions get made, but it feels like the studios have to back someone. And a lot of the time projects will always bank on like star power and draw power. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, sometimes they take a risk like what Elizabeth Banks did with cocaine beer, um, which I'm very grateful for. And a lot of my, uh, a lot of my other roles that I've done, via performance capture a lot of the time the press only comes about because uh wetter effects will go out of their way to to mention my name uh and i think it's i think it's just because at the moment we're still in this gray area where we aren't quite sure how to define what performers like myself do especially because i can't claim to be the only person who played iron man in the avengers films there were like right. six of us right Right. doing performance capture for various bits and pieces. So when I say that I'm Kong, that's me saying, as far as I know, I did the majority of the performance capture for the film. Uh, I'm definitely part of a fraternity of big monster performers. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, I remember, I remember um, watching, watching a podcast you guys did earlier with um with is it steve the guy who does groot yes he, yeah he's in the he's in, in there right now talking now yeah um and he was you were talking about that idea of like if you have if you have a cosplay and someone's like i also have this cosplay the idea is that it's more fun to acknowledge that a bunch of us have this cosplay and isn't mm -hmm. that great yep um which is something you know i try to do with, with performance captures like i'm not just it wasn't just me being this character there was also these there were also these other people that did it and we were part of a team to kind of put forward this um this show <clears throat> and it's I, i'm not sure how like it's so much of it so much so many of these decisions get made above my pay grade um which means i don't have any input but also there's no real recourse for me it's more about me just being like hey hi everyone I'm Alan Henry. This is the thing that I did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, please. hey, you're, you're still cashing the check. And every well, now and then. I'm cashing one of the checks. That's yeah, what I'm saying, right? <laughs> and every now and then, sometimes the anonymity must must also be a benefit. It can't always be a, like, it must sometimes be you're not getting swamped. You can go outside to buy groceries. You can do, you can live mm. a quote unquote normal 
at least not mobbed life by having a certain mm. level of anonymity. But still, you also get flown over to Windsor, Ontario, Canada to be part of a convention. And that's where right. we get to meet you. So, yeah, I feel like it's definitely bridging the gap. Help me out, though, because I remember when mm. we met you, we met you. Uh, I think we we actually got to talk to you a little bit when we went to the after party out to a bar. And when I asked you what you did, you 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 described it, and I said motion capture, and you were correct me to say it was performance capture, and that is are those two different things, Alan, or is it just a more accurate description of one thing? They are they're two different things now. Okay. Now, so can you tell us the so, difference between what is performance capture? Yeah. And so, motion capture? so motion capture will be our is literally just capturing the motion, so it's just movement. Um. A lot of the time, performance capture is about capturing, trying to find the performance. So the way that the character moves and breathes and rests and stands and looks around, as well as what they're emotionally doing on the face. Like, for for instance, for Kong, Kong was always performance capture. Even though Kong doesn't have dialogue, they were using a witness camera to record my face. Oh yeah, he emotes like it. yeah, and because because that's the only place he can. Yeah, and Weta were very like they have an incredible team of motion editors and facial animators, and they were making sure that all of his emotion was coming through the face. But you can't deny that a holistic performance encompasses the body, even if you don't see it. What we're seeing now with performance capture is that you've got eighty-four cameras looking at you one hundred percent of the time, and you can see it. You can see the performance in the body and you can see it. You know, the minute an actor drops out of character because it's so, the technology is so precise. You can right. see when, when their attention drifts or their breathing changes. And sometimes we get pulled into gigs to do motion capture. It's just like, we need 40 people running down a street and we're just going to do take after take after take after take. That's, that's motion capture. And that's valuable because that's still creating content and assets for the film. But performance capture is when they go down to the nitty gritty. For instance, for Steppenwolf, they were like, Kieran Hines has done all the voice or the dialogue. What we need is we need, we need the movements in Steppenwolf's body to match that dialogue. Because, yeah. because the character is speaking them. Mm -hmm. So I can't just walk on and be like, I'm a big tough guy. Look at me. I have to look at what, and listen to what Kieran Hines is doing and then try to essentially find the same emotional beats for Steppenwolf. And I like we talked earlier, that's the advantage of you doing it in post, right? Like that's the cool part is you yeah. get that point of reference, right? Yeah. I think something yeah. just looked in my mind. And for me, I think the what you're trying to say, what makes more sense to me is motion capture versus performance capture. You put Tony Hawk in a ball suit while he's skateboarding so that you can replicate that in the video game that's motion mm -hmm. capture he's not acting he's not portraying a character but once you put in that character portrayal in is when i think it really becomes more performance capture because it's no longer just about capturing those motions for a database it's actually about acting you're actually acting there and i think i think also you could you could make the argument that now motion capture doesn't exist anymore because really it is just performance capture. Like well, even, I was if, thinking of even like, if it's even if it's Tony Hawk skateboarding, it's still a performance. That's still yeah. I was skates, thinking of uh, still, Man of Steel. You know, uh, Zack Snyder's yeah. Man of Steel, uh, Michael mm -hmm. Shannon. Oh, by the way, a lot of people don't know this because it was so flawless. 
there were two main Kryptonians, Michael Shannon's character of Zod and then Feora. Feora's suit was an actual suit they made. Michael mm -hmm. Shannon is in a dot suit the whole time. Yeah, Michael really? Shannon's Kryptonian yeah. armor is fully CG. It's yep. flawless. But when you and I were talking and you made that distinction, I'm like, I'm wondering if that's more what motion capture is because it's literally just capturing the motion of his body and then putting that CG suit on him because he's mm. wearing a dot suit as well and everything else. But he's not really, I mean, I'm sure he's kind of trying to change his motions to make it look like he's wearing this big bulky suit of armor. But that's how I kind of equate it because as soon as you corrected mm. me, like, okay, now I understand. Now I get it. Like, you're not just, like you said, just walk. That video that you were showing us when, you, when you've got that, the hand things on so that mm. you're literally walking like an ape and performing all of that. First of all, you must be in terrific shit. Like, how much training oh. do you have? To <laughs> Dude, I'm watching you walk on those hands things, and I'm the whole time I'm thinking, my back would be yeah, I can never me. do that. Like, yeah, how do you physically prepare for something like that? Like, how do you keep yourself in the kind of shape that you need to be able to do something like that on it? Because how long are you in a studio on those things doing that for? Uh, you. If it's a full day, it can be anywhere up to 10 hours, but we're, we take breaks. The, the glory, one of the glories of motion capture and performance capture is that you can, you can take downtime because this like setups between shots can be really fast, but because of that, you can also take more time in between. Like when we're doing, like if we're doing ape stuff or monster stuff on arm extensions, uh, if it's intense work, then we'll take like three to four minutes to just sit and get some water and kind of stretch it out. Um, when you're on set, time constraints get a bit a bit different, and um, that can be a hell of a time. Uh, on when we're on set for the Hobbit trilogy, I was doing some of the goblins, and they're as a character, <laughs> physically, they're the most inefficient characters ever. <laughs> yeah, because their bodies are broken and nothing works, and they're all tense. So to put a human in that shape for eight hours no way just messes no way them. so we were um we were really like we were struggling on that and that was i remember for something like the hobbit we knew we were going to be doing long days and we knew it was going to be tough so as a team in the lead up to those days <clears throat> we would all just be working out and training and like doing cardio and just lifting weights just to get our bodies stronger mm -hmm. like i like I wasn't always the hulking Adonis you see before. You. <laughs> uh, Alan's uh, the guys. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was a real weed when I started on the Hobbit because I was I was lean. I'd you know I'd come out of drama school and I'd been active, and then working on the Hobbit, talking to the, some of the stunt team, they were like, "It's get strong or die, brother." Like that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. For that job, I had to get bigger and stronger, and you know, I ate a lot more chicken and, and like lifted a lot more heavy things. And then after the Hobbit, I kind of tried to find a balance between being strong but also flexible enough that I could still do all the weird creaturey things that they needed me to do. I wouldn't say I'm in the best shape. I mean, you know, like I love burgers and milkshakes too much i don't want to i don't want to destroy the happiness in my life for the sake of a physique that that maybe people will enjoy but also you know i need to i do i need to get always need to get fitter because i'm getting older now and i still want to do the things that i want to do um so it's like i have to kind of try and find a nice balance a nice happy medium yeah nice happy medium and then you've got you know all of the nonsense that the world shoves on you and like depression's a hell of a ride and you got to find your way through it thankfully again 
support networks, community, loved ones, therapy, all of that stuff helps to keep me like, you know, on top of what I need to do. And, nice and sweater. Nice sweater. Hey, thanks, Sonny. Sonny is saying thanks. nice sweater, Alan. Absolutely. Uh, our Thank friend you. Top Cosplay says, hi, Alan. Happy holidays. So Top Cosplay is Teresa. She was I remember Teresa. Photographer. Of course. She was a photographer at the Northern National. So that's Top Cosplay. She's part of our team and everything else. Uh, Megan is also part of our team. Megan Marie, she has a question. There was something with dialogue. Would you be lip syncing while doing your performance? Or do they have facial recording of the dialogue actor's face? Uh, ideally, they will try and give you as much as they can. Uh, Steppenwolf, we had all of the footage of Karen doing his lines. Um, and I would just listen to it on playback and try to try to copy his rhythm and his tone and try and, and I'd talk with the animation supervisor and get notes about what his character was doing. Um, they, you know, they could like, yes, you can lip, you can lip sync if you want. I just go full balls to the wall and go do full dialogue anyway. Because for me, that's the only way I can kind of get it inhabiting in my in my Either body. Character, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I I make noises when I was cokey. I was snarling and snuffling and burping and roaring. <laughs> you know. Well, and the, I'm sure the actors appreciated that too, because like you said, you're on set interacting with them live, so that's you're helping to you know dispel mm. that disbelief or whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question, guys. I'm going to get a little bit. I'm not going to go off topic, but I want to get a little bit. I said I was going to get a little bit more into this. So I am a huge DC nerd. That's just who I am and where I live. And staying completely respectful, mm -hmm. you were on set essentially for both, all of the original shooting of Zack Snyder. So how did it work for you with Justice League? Because we talked in the pre-show, you were technically part of both productions, but it's almost kind of like it was almost three productions because there was production as it went up until Zack had to leave due to mm -hmm, the tragic mm -hmm. death of his daughter. And then Joss came in and essentially finished it while doing a whole bunch of reshoots and adding a lot more to it. And then, of course, that gets released. And then Zach gets a chance mm -hmm. to come back mm -hmm. and do more things and, and do a lot of the post, like a lot of VFX work to finish it out. And mm -hmm. Warner Brothers gave him a bunch of money to do that. So mm -hmm. could you give us, like, I don't, don't give us a whole walkthrough. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, though, if you were there for, like, both instances, can you talk about a little bit like the differences between those two experiences a little bit? It, it was funnily enough. It was that again, it was all post. Like right. I was, I wasn't on set for, for principal photography, but doing the performance capture for uh, the, the first version and then for the Snyder version, um, <clears throat> the, we were, we were kind of in contact with, with Zach's two IC DJ for both, essentially for both projects. Okay. So DJ was giving us notes for the first version. And then also when, when Snyder came back, he was giving us notes for the second one. And the only shift we noticed, like our workload didn't change. Our requirements didn't change. What we noticed was the storytelling changes from, <clears throat> from Zach, which required reshoots of entire sequences. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, yeah, it was... The biggest thing, I mean, for me, my my main focus, I think, was probably on what was changing with Steppenwolf, um, because there was also also I think in the in the later version, Darkseid had a bigger presence as well, and we did correct. Some stuff and for, you were also Darkseid. <clears throat> we did some stuff for Darkseid. Um, so <clears throat> that for me, that was the biggest that was the biggest kind of change, just the fact that we had different story beats coming from from Zach. Yeah, but. Other than that, you know, it was still me in the gray suit 
with my friends. Still doing your thing. It didn't really change on your side a whole lot. Mm. So when, being, go ahead. So, so when Zack Snyder comes back in and, and Warner Brothers gives him a bunch of money to, mm. do, to finish his version of the movie, do you guys go back into studio to reshoot some stuff as well? Or is he just using the original stuff you had already done in the first place? Uh, no, we, we reshot a lot of it. You did, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I just think they gave because, him $70 million. Like, they gave him quite a bit of chunk of money yeah. to finish the film. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they didn't give me a million. <laughs> no. But, we all I work mean, for what we, we all work for, right? That's that's kind of yeah. that's kind of how it goes, I guess. But, but uh, yeah, so so we – there was some stuff they could reuse, but a lot of it, they just reshot it. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. honestly, a lot of the time, it's easier and faster to reshoot it. Yeah, and I think as he was pretty adamant as well. I, th I think they had asked when Zach was coming back if he was going to use any of the, the the footage that Whedon had shot specifically for the theatrical release, and he didn't want to use a single second of it. So he no. wanted everything to be completely his vision. So there's no way that you guys weren't going to get called back in. I would assume to because mm -hmm. you had you had literally brand new characters. You had like brand new <laughs> performance caption character, Dark Side, Decide. Like you had mm -hmm. new characters that either had no presence or very little presence in the theatrical mm. release. So and we there was a big story change to that final confrontation as well mm -hmm. the, where where soups turns up like that was like there were big changes that that we had to address yeah not not in terms of character wise or story wise but literally they changed the digital like the virtual camera right they were like we're shooting us from a completely different side yeah now. Yeah, so, yeah yeah and we're like okay do you always go back and watch the finished product down or sometimes it's just like that uh, project's done i've gotten paid i'm good i don't necessarily need to see what that finished product looks like or do you do you kind of be like no uh, i want to see how this turned I out do. Yeah, yeah i do yeah because because i am the first to admit that what i do in the studio is not what ends up on the screen what ends up on the screen is my foundation gets built upon and finessed and improved by Weta mm -hmm. FX. Like what they did with Kong and with Koki was phenomenal. Yeah, no, I love, crazy. I love watching them work because they're also not just my colleagues, but they're friends of mine now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we all have kids the same age. We all hang out together and stuff. So to go and see their work, what they've helped, like what I helped them to achieve is fantastic. And the um, the motion edit the motion edit um, supervisor on um, the New Empire was this guy named Dave Preciado, and he and I would have big conversations about <clears throat> the work that needs to happen and from what I do. So um, <clears throat> I I watch I, I do watch them, like we did Christmas Chronicles two. Um, I watched it because we did the elves and my son Gus who was eight at the time, came in and did some elf stuff. So I took him along awesome. and I was like, that's awesome. you and me. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, and even films that weren't that great that we worked on, yeah. I'll still go and see it. Okay. You know, because... Do you, do you have a favorite of, of the of the films you've been part of or or and or characters that you've portrayed? Um, ooh. And I know it's like picking a favorite child. I mean, we're not saying <laughs> that one's better and the rest are terrible, but I'm wondering if there's one, especially after you've done the work and you've seen mm. it, did mm. one kind of hit you harder than some of the, than the rest of them or affected you more oh, emotionally? For me, for me, it's honestly, um, it's Kong, Koki, and the work we did on the BFG. The BFG was like one of my favorite books growing up. 
and I love um, it's Spielberg, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. We, and we shot that in Vancouver and Burnaby. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I got to be on set for yeah. that one. I was like, I I was working with my movement teacher Terry Notary as his yeah. assistant movement coach. Oh, nice. Were you and the then, giant? Uh, we did performance capture for a number of characters. I'll bet. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, did you, did you get to meet Spielberg? I did. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was on set. He's he's lovely. He really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I had some friends. My good friend Jermaine Clement was working on it as well. So he and I hung out a lot. Um, from Play yeah, the Concourse, Jermaine Clement. Is that what you're talking? Yeah. About? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, dude, it's New Zealand. There's like 20 of us here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so BFG because it was one of those childhood things. Mm-hmm. Um, Koki because it was just so stupid and so wonderfully lovely to do. Yeah, for sure. And then and then Kong because you know because I've always wanted to be a because you're kid GD Kong for goodness sake. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, man. <laughs> now, you, but you yeah, know, there are there are a lot of roles that I did that I really 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 enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because you're not only doing performance capture, you've also done some live action roles. Yeah. Specifically, yep. you were in a TV series. Uh, uh, is it Mean Mums? Oh yeah, Mean Mums. Yep, yep. Mean as Mums a goof, as a goofy and, primary school principal. And Sweet Tooth. I was. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's Sweet where I first met Christian Connery. Is that is that done? Sweet Tooth. As far yeah. as I know, yeah. Not coming back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I see you're looking into the right there. Hope yeah, I'm yeah, not I'm like, oh. anything there. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 this is great. We're still good. Uh, we can tell you guys that we did have to wait a little bit for the interview because Alan does have a current project in production in New Zealand. And that, mm. guys, look at me. Look at me. That's all we can say. Yeah. Okay? It is. Very, Alan was very careful and clear. He checked the email, the latest he's gotten. That's all we can say. There is a current mm-hmm. production in New Zealand that Alan's a part of. That's it. That's all we can say. So keep your eyes tuned. Uh, make guys, Alan, why don't you give them your? Uh, we'll, we'll do it at the end too. But why don't you give them your social media so they can follow you along and, and get some updates on when you can finally talk about some of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I think the only social media presence I have is on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, as Alan Henry underscore official. Yeah, that's where I'll post anything connected to the work I've been doing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I mean the rest. I mean the OnlyFans is private, so <laughs> it's really just him and that sweater playing tabletop RPGs. <laughs> there you go. So, that's all it is. Oh, uh, that? I, oh, I know that because I'm a subscriber. So I mean, make sure plug down your five bucks a month for that, kids. You're not going to want to miss that. Um, I, I want to talk about. Well, first of all, your 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 next big release is Godzilla X Con: The New Empire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you were saying that's now been filmed for a while. I guess was that before mm. the pandemic or during the pandemic? You guys are filming that, or no? You were no, saying it no, finished no, no, no. just last year. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I think they sure. I think they wrapped up principal photography like last year. Last year, because we were we were doing we were doing performance capture for it oh, start of this year, maybe even end of last year, mm-hmm. and we finished we officially finished our performance capture in like september just before i came over to the northern national now if anybody's seen the new trailer obviously a lot of this movie is going to happen in hollow earth there's a bunch of cg characters in this 
Mm-hmm. Are you are you only Kong in this, or are you you're a bunch of different CG characters? <laughs> we got him in the name? studio, guys. He's wearing the suit. Get him to do lots of so, stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> you joke, you, but uh... no, no. I I guarantee that's probably what happens, right? You know so, what you're doing. You're experienced. You're in the suit. They've already got you wired up. Why wouldn't they have yeah, you doing exactly. more than one character, right? Exactly. Just through efficiency, that would make sense. But you're clearly good at what you do. Oh, they keep bringing thanks. you back and we've seen your work through our eyes anyways and now we've got that video that we showed earlier guys if you're just tuning in now if you go to alan's instagram he's got a video up there from we to digital uh showing showcasing some of the work that he's done uh as a performance capture artist and it's i don't know man i fascinating it's only and it's only a small bit yeah it yeah. is i wish sure. i wish i could like i'm constantly trying to get more of the witness camera footage and like work in progress footage of the stuff we have but there's you, some honestly like Weta at the moment i think Weta has like 11 projects going oh wow um uh there's a we're currently new zealand is about to have eight more projects next year in the pipes so and is a lot of this thanks to pete jackson i mean did, did he really like with lord of the rings movies did, did he really put new zealand on the map as a place to come and film like because so yeah. many of what he what he did in that that trilogy showcased just how diverse of, mm. of, of, of a mm. landscape that New Zealand offers for people visually mm-hmm. and artistically to film in. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there a, a yeah. huge a huge presence in New Zealand as far as filming big production movies before Pete Jackson brought the Little Earthlings trilogy there? Not a huge presence. There no. Was, there was some. There, there was, was some. some. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But like you said, there's only 20 of you in the business, so it's not like, yeah. uh, you know what yeah. I mean? You, <laughs> Carl yeah. Urban, you know, some other guys. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, so yeah, me, Carl, Jermaine, Tyco. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, well, yeah. Peter, Pete, someone. Um, but no, yeah, post Lord of the Rings trilogy, that was the explosion. Yeah. And mm. that saw a lot more big projects come into New Zealand. And it was, you know, it was a real injection for our industry as well, because when a big production arrives, they need more crew, they need more people to be in it. So a lot of New Zealanders started getting some on-the-job training and some like really good experience working with professionals. And I remember way back in 2008 working on the first Avatar film. There were people there who were like just entering the industry in the crew. And, you know, I then worked on the most recent Avatar films and they're like heads of department now. Right. You know, because they've they've grown with the industry. Right. Yeah, so since yeah. 2008, they've been working and working and working and working, building that community, building yeah. skills and that experience, and now it's growing. You know? Yeah. Sorry, I, I, it was a question I meant to ask before we got into the New Zealand thing, and I, I wouldn't mind sure. coming back to that too because I'm fascinated, but because your, because your work is so technology-driven, hmm. do you tend to try to keep up with sort of what's – because obviously there's been huge leaps and, and bounds as far mm-hmm. as the technology in performance capture goes since its, its, its initial start. Mm-hmm. Do you try to keep up with what's going on technologically so that you can be, or are you one of those guys who's just like, guys, put me in the suit and I'll just do my thing. Like I'm, I'm a, no, no, I'm, you I'm, to that. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent that tech nerd. Yeah. I, I love understanding how it works because, you know, for a long time I was just like, well, I mean, maybe I can just do this myself, you know? <laughs> How'd uh, that work out? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still I mean, the guy in the suit, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, I have tried to keep up with the tech because I think knowing where the tech is going and where it currently is helps 
understand the way that the process of making this kind of work works mm -hmm. so knowing that now we have real-time feedback knowing that we have live comp into fully rendered backgrounds and scenes i know that like i know that we can be fast i know that we can be quick i know that now that um like subtle changes in the character can be read but i also know that when it breaks it's going to break big right like so if something goes down when we're capturing it could we could be out for like 40 50 minutes because they need to like restart things and reboot things or reprogram things um and i think i just feel like having trying to have knowledge of how it works getting knowledge of the back end to use a de some developer speak when you understand the back end you kind of have a little more grace for when the front end breaks right and you can be a bit more understanding when someone's just like okay look we just need to change one of the like there's a batch script that's gone haywire so we're just going to rewrite it and sometimes it's easier for them to just be like we'll handle it don't worry about it so and how yeah. much has the technology changed how you do your job like how you do the performance capture and is there anything that you used to do that you no longer do because of the technology advancements that you kind of wish was maybe still around Ooh, um honestly i don't i know there are some there are some there are some old school purists who like like it back when it was more it required a different kind of imagination when i started because there wasn't real-time feedback the um the detail was very 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 basic uh and it would take a lot longer to see any kind of finished product mm -hmm. right. so it required a lot more faith and a lot more creativity imagination to get where you needed to go mm -hmm. at the moment i feel like we're we're in a situation where there's much more time to collaborate because it's right there and we can try something and be like oh look that doesn't work how can we change it how can we fix it and having conversations with with um, a department like motion edit we'll be like we'll say we'll have a situation where a character is not human proportions their arms are longer or their chest is bigger or their head is higher and so we have to have a conversation about what are we trying to achieve do we need the 3d model to have its hand by its mouth up here or do we need a truthful performance from a performer picking something up and putting it in their mouth right. and because motion edit is so good now they're like give us the real truthful human performance and what we will do is we will remap that to kong whose arms are massive and is like you know his his chest is so broad he almost has no neck right. so when kong like when kong turns his head he can't do this right because this part of his jaw which is massive will suddenly intersect this part of his chest and shoulders which are even bigger so what they need they go instead of like instead of going just turn your head this much and then stop we have to find a nice middle ground between my character wants to look this way but I need to know that this character, instead of just turning the head, will probably turn his entire body to move. Yes. So that kind of collaboration of like finding the nitty gritty and seeing the little subtle changes is really helpful. Back in the day, it was like a you had none of that. A digital stick figure. Right. And then you'd find it months later, they're like, oh, we've got to reshoot that because the arm suddenly can't do this. So, right, right, right. Mm. And I love your passion for it is bleeding through you talking about it so much. <laughs> Like, I didn't even need to ask you that question because clearly you're into the technology side of it. Just how into it you're talking about. No, that's fantastic. I love seeing that kind of passion for somebody 
like like with, what, what's the old saying that we have here on this side of the pond like if, if you love what you do you won't work a day in your life mm. I, i'm sure some of those days get pretty long but at the end of the day you oh, clearly yeah. have a passion and a love for what you're doing yeah on those long days man that's what gets you through yeah 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 yeah, yeah for like sure you just gotta when you're sitting there you know, in like 60 kgs of silicon and acrylic sweating, sweating buckets and like, you know, like your vision is dizzy because you're overheated. You have to really find that happy place and go back to like childish <laughs> eight-year-old Alan being like, I'm being a monster. Yay. I love your constant reference to eight-year-old Alan. That's such he's, a cool thing. He's, he's the only dude that keeps me going, man. I have to drive a forklift for a living. I don't get to be eight-year-old Jeff when I'm driving the forklift around. It just super oh, no, doesn't no, work. It super doesn't work for me. So I'm glad you get to channel that when you're doing the things that you're doing for sure. Are you? Okay. So they are coming out with it. There was a trailer oh. that dropped for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Kingdom, are you involved yep. in that production? I am. We did performance capture for it. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, be, uh, uh, looking forward to a, this one. It's a new. It's a new story. I, I from is. what I'm understanding, it's it's like the first of a new trilogy, essentially that they're looking to. I think. Yeah. I assuming think based on whether this would go well or not, but I, I mm. don't get the sense mm -hmm. that it's like the fourth in the in the in the in the chain. No. It's yeah. they're trying to launch new... it again, type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the, yeah. the first the first trilogy was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, of course, you know, before that, you're all the the actual like physical makeup thing. Do you think what you do? Do you think your industry is going to get to a point where there's really not going to be a need for like physical makeup anymore? Like, especially on the scale of the original Planet of the Apes films, where you had hundreds of actors in in physical costumes. Do you think motion capture and performance capture is going to get to a point where that's not really on on the menu anymore? Or do you think there's always going to be a need for that based on whatever the production might be? I think so. I think yeah. there's there's on in, in my opinion there's too much magic in physical uh in like in like the physical production. Like when you have makeup and prosthetics in set and costume it's it's magical. It's magical to to have that tangible real other world that you're in. I mean and then you look at like I would be very surprised if someone like Guillermo del Toro would give up on that. He loves right. it too much. And like what he, he loves, does, he is loves so... animation and he loves yeah. visual effects. He does, yeah. but yeah. he loves physical as well. Same with Pete. Peter Jackson loves yeah. the physical. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's yeah, there's. I think we the two of them are just going to go side by side, and it's going to be based on the director. It's going to be based on the project. Project is going to be based on the studio. Um, and I, I hope it never disappears. Because I I love I love that magic. Um, way back filming um, the BFG, we were in Vancouver out in Burnaby in this old Sears factory, big old warehouse. And for one of the scenes, they rebuilt a scale replica of a street in London. They had cobbled stones. They had the shop fronts. They had lights. The pub had working taps. And to be able to step through these big roller doors into a physical other world is there's just you can't get that magic elsewhere you know yeah and i feel like there's those two have those two will run side by side because there are things you can do in one that you can't do in other and both of them are so valid and so wonderful that i hope you know they're going to keep on going is that something you're interested in doing is it getting into the live action stuff but still kind of a little bit on the monster side like some heavy makeup stuff like if, if there was good yeah is that because so? I, yeah, I yeah. your skills would transfer over to that quite well well that's how, that's how that's how i got my start 
Yeah. Like I, I was doing creature work and prosthetic work before I did performance capture. Oh, you oh, did? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. I did that like two days on the Halo film. Oh. But then, okay. but then after that, there were like three or four other projects that required prosthetics. We did like a zombie thing, and we did yeah, like yeah. weird monsters and stuff. So I was doing. And there, there is a there is a gentleman that I started my conversation with all those years ago called Shane Rungi, and anyone who's in the industry knows him. He's like the, he's like the New Zealand grandfather of of creature work. He's one of the one of the oldest and best at it. At his so he's job. the Stan Winston of New Zealand, basically. Is that yeah, kind of what you would yeah. say? Yeah. Okay. He was he was doing it first, and he did it so well. And he's like this massive Maori dude. He's like he's built like a unit. Yeah. And he was doing it for so long, and he created opportunities for the rest of us and he shared his knowledge and his experience with the rest of us um and there's something to be said about like what it like to do that stuff to put the suit on and have the have the weird muscles and claws and you know pick up the axe and turn your head and you've got big minotaur horns or whatever yeah yeah like this is like it's <laughs> pretty like, cool it's, right i mean like it's, that's why you cosplay right yeah of course you know, and we get then, that live reaction and we get to portray yeah. physically portray that particular. Yeah. character. Yeah. So. There's something about yeah. becoming the character when you're in the suit, right? Yeah. There's, when you're it, in the skin. Yeah. 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 Where I guess you don't get that when you're doing motion performance because. Yeah. It's a lot of, there's a lot more imaginative work. Yeah. Which has got to be a million times harder. I can't even imagine having For to put sure. yourself in that. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it's harder. Like there was a question there about, do you get some sort of cooling system? Under yeah, the yeah. 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 Like, that is the hardest thing about creature work. It is usually uncomfortable mm -hmm. and like you can't breathe or you, like your body can't regulate its temperature. And a lot of the time they're not designed to be moved in. No, no. We so, had our good friend Matt Taylor on uh, last year and he was mm. nemesis in one of the, uh, the, the Resident oh, right. Evil movies. And yeah, same, that's what he was talking about. Cause he's physically in that suit. Yeah. He's having to carry this 60 pound mm. gun and it's just long days. He's got all these prosthetics on just massively, mm. massively uncomfortable. Mm. You love doing it, but it's not like, Hey, sign that's, me up for that yeah, every time. That is that's, hard. that's, that's yeah, definitely mm -hmm. some hard work. Yeah. One um, of the biggest things you need in this game is endurance. I can't yeah. even imagine. Uh, our producer uh, Jenna is asking, "What other monsters oh. out there do you admire? Uh, do you admire or think were, were very well done? Who would you love to perform as? Is there like a is there like a white whale for Alan Henry to to portray monster wise? That uh, oh. monster wise. I mean, I feel like once you've been Kong, I mean, like that's like a yeah. How do you go me, bigger than Kong? King Kong. I mean, like, what like what do you want? Well, it's funny because before I was King Kong, that was my answer. I was like, yeah, King Kong. Of course. King Kong. How is it not? Um, uh, we did, I had a little try. I had a little attempt at some Godzilla stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was fun. But there's, I think there's, I think I enjoyed Kong more because of how, uh, just how much more human Kong is. Right. Um, but, oh, man, monsters. Oh. <laughs> like if we if we if we go back to the top ten monster list, well, it doesn't right. have to be a monster, like, right? Some, like any any kind of yeah, character, that's... or you know, is there anything specific oh, you, you'd are... love to do as far as a performance actor, right, or performance capture? Um, at the moment. Yeah, I feel yeah, like you're, you're, you're you got such a pinnacle. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I like. I used to cosplay a lot of Spider Man, and I because immediately when you when we were talking about this, I thought, oh, like maybe like a Xenomorph, or maybe something like that. But mm -hmm. then I'm like, 
Like I had to stop doing Spider-Man because I, I turned 50 this year and I can't f- make my body physically move like that anymore to mm, do all the cool mm, Spider-Man poses. Mm-hmm. I'm watching 21 year old dudes do this and I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So when I think of other things that like, like what would Alan be really like, what would be like the top monsters that you do? I'm like, man alive being something like that would be such a, such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Wouldn't it? A little yeah. bit. It's, it's, I mean, it's a good question. There are, I've had, I've had the wonderful joy and opportunity and good fortune to do so many monsters and superheroes and supervillains and crazy characters. Um, like I, it's, it's tough. Like there are, there are performers that I really truly admire like Terry Notary, who was my movement teacher and like some of the work that Andy does and, um, performers like Toby Kibble, who was Cobra in, um, uh, in the original trilogy, yeah, yeah, the of the his work is like he was, original, but he was Cobra, yeah. he was so yeah, good. yeah, no, he's fantastic, he was so good, yeah. Um, and yeah, there's like there's lots of lots of performers that I really admire, and I would like to kind of do the things that they do. Um, now, is there a, and, okay, so while you're th- is there a particular IP though that maybe you would like to be part of that you haven't had? A oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I, I figured are, that might be the like, easier yeah. question for yeah. you to answer. Yeah. Yeah, what, so what's what is that? What is the Mount Rushmore of like IPs that Alan Henry would like to be involved in? For for Alan Henry yes. and Ka- Kathleen Kennedy, I hope you're listening. I oh, have it never had been to be Star a, Wars. I've, like I've never been in a Star Wars film. Yeah. And that has to happen. How does that, that not happen? The, that's the well, because they've never done a Star Wars film here in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, fair. Okay, fair, fair, fair enough. Um, but that is the two films that that eight-year-old Alan yep. would always go back to when I was a kid was it was Star Wars um, and uh, uh, Enter the Dragon. So those were the two yeah. films that I would yes. always watch as a kid. Okay. And growing up, like, yeah, kind of trying to find ways to be part of the star Wars universe would be that's that's, I think that's the goal. I think that's the lofty heights that Alan Henry wants to portray. Yeah. I, um, I, I can't blame you. That's every yeah. kid's dream from our generation. But there, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of sci-fi that I haven't been involved in that I'd right. want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like trick would be great. Uh, being involved in like Dr. Who would be fantastic. Uh, my good friend, um, Frankie Adams was, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. My good friend, Frankie Adams was in um, the expanse. And I've oh I've God, done some I love I, the experience so much. Oh my I goodness. did some work with her and so she had much. such a good time. Also, yeah. to be honest, any work where I get to work with Shore Agdashlu is gonna be a good day. Like right. that woman yes. is phenomenal. She was Avasarala uh, mm-hmm. on the expanse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, oh my goodness. She, <laughs> she stole has a voice every, like, she stole like, every scene she was in. Like yeah. she was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. anything where I could be involved <clears throat> with her would be great. Yeah. But also, yeah, for me, yeah, for Alan Henry, it's Star Wars. And does it, do you find that being, so getting back to New Zealand, I guess a little bit. Mm. So do you find being in New Zealand at the same time rewarding, but but also kind of limiting when it comes to, like you've not been in, involved in Star Wars because you're based out of New Zealand or essentially at the end of the day? Because I know you came um, yeah, to Vancouver um, for production. Like you have yeah. traveled for productions mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. But does that kind of limit you a little bit because you're New Zealand based? Yeah. yeah. Being, being. At the bottom of the planet, I think is Being how you described, described planet, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Being at the bottom of the planet, it is a beautiful part of the planet. Yeah. And I love living here. Yeah. But it's an expensive part of the planet. So getting people to and from this country is expensive. Right. And a lot of the time, like 
this is probably very cynical of me, but like studios will always opt for the cheaper option. Of course. Right. Yeah. And um and yes, I could like like Doug said, I could put myself where the work is and I could head on over to the States and go go to go and hang out in LA or Atlanta or wherever it is that they're making it. I think Toronto's the place to be, really. Oh, a, a lot of productions in Atlanta too. <laughs> well, yeah, this well, this well, I mean, yeah. Star Wars really is like Toronto and Pinewood over in London. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Um, but I have, you know, I have my son and his mum here, and I have a really good support network here. So for me, I would rather try and, I mean, like I talk about stacking the deck in my favor, and I have to really weigh up whether I want to go and put myself where the work is and leave so much of this behind and try and juggle you know what happens with my my son is 11 so that's his so, tender age to be hopping yeah, around the globe yeah yeah and he's at the moment very focused on dad at the moment so yeah and like and, and in saying that next year i have some projects lined up offshore and right. i'm making sure that i take him with me to those right oh nice so rather than because he didn't come with me to to um windsor right um uh, just because he was at school. So next year I have some other things lined up and I've made sure that we allocate time for him to come with me and Perfect. be at those things with me. Do you have any, um, so I know we can't talk about future projects, but do you have any appearances as Windsor started kind of a little, a little bit got the ball rolling? Is there anything that you can yeah, talk about 2024 that you've kind of got coming up? That's uh, no, unfortunately nothing has been fully confirmed. Right. So there are, uh, there are some offers that have been that are currently in in negotiation and in right. discussion. Yep. Um, there is another convention happening in the states. Right. Um, since I joined up with Japan's Legends, yeah, who were the agency that brought over some of those wonderful guests from Japan for the mm -hmm. Super G, yeah, of course. Yeah, for Super G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've got some some projects in negotiation. So there's some there are some things happening next year. I'm I mean, this isn't an appearance, but I've been invited to talk at a VFX conference in uh, Nairobi in Africa. Next oh, year. wow. Uh, and again, because of that support network, the visual effects company that is sponsoring me to go over was started by two friends of mine from WetFX, who then the, the wife is Kenyan. She moved back to Kenya and started a VFX company. Wild. Um, so because of that connection, they invited me over and I said, yeah, of course. I'll, can I bring my son? And they were like, of course, you know, we'd love right. to have you and your family because we're all friends and they, yeah, they, yeah. Know, they know my mm -hmm. son and I know that you're So we're trying to, you know, there's that stuff happening. And the front half of my year is pretty, pretty front loaded with a lot of work and a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And then the second half of the year, who knows? Nothing's been, nothing. I mean, that's, if anything, that's that's the block I've set aside for <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, yeah. paging yeah, Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy to the Kennedy. Um, Kennedy. At this point, I think you may uh, need to give Dave Filoni a call. Well, I mean, really again, we talked now, about this. But... He's creative. <laughs> yeah. but she's the money. You got to talk to yeah. the money first before you talk yeah, to the well, creative. Because if there's no money, she, there's no creative. So yeah, she paid us. She paid us a visit on the BFG in 2015. And it lovely, was, nice. Yeah, it was, well, she uh, would have been uh, still working. Oh no, she would have been with. No, who would she have been with? No, she would have been with Lucasfilm in 2015. 
She wouldn't yeah, be yeah, that was Steven Spielberg anymore. No, 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 no. That, it was because that was a that was a it was an Amblin Entertainment film, Amblin, yeah. which which, oh, which I think is right. under the Disney umbrella. The, yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? So um, she. Like, yeah. So Windsor was your first official guest, sort of like guest spot at, at a convention, correct? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. I was. Was that the first convention that you'd actually attended? No, no, no. I've I've attended a few smaller version conventions that we have here in New Zealand. So that so convention, was, and not to, to to talk any grief, because I I, mm -hmm. I, I love Jeremy and I love the, that that community in Windsor. I've I've been part of that community for years and years and years now as a cosplayer and mm -hmm. such. But that convention was not. I don't want to. It may not have been quite indicative of of the of the conventions that we would have in this area, especially a convention of mm -hmm. that size and that length. Mm -hmm. Did but did it still maybe kind of like give you a little bit of the butt? Like would you that would that be something you'd be amenable to? Like traveling oh. to do more conventions yeah. to that point? One so, million percent. Okay. Because we I do have one of the biggest conventions in the world here called Fan Expo. It, it happens in Toronto. It happens in late August. Um, and you see the back half of your year is pretty wide open. It's four days for that one. Um, but it's, well, it's, look, it's, feel free to talk to everyone. So that's what I'm saying. So guys, I they just posted <laughs> something. Recommend guests for us to get for Fan Expo. Recommend your boy, Alan Henry. As you Look can guy over with Fan us, Expo. he's got fascinating stories to tell about working in the industry, a part of the industry that we don't really get to talk about a whole lot here. We've talked to actors and we've talked to guys that have worked uh, on the on the technical side of things, but we certainly never talked to somebody that does what Alan does in the performance motion capture artist. So yeah, we've been lucky to speak to guys in the suit, but never really in the actual motion capture side. So it's real interesting yeah. to. Oh, I would I would love any opportunity to do more yeah. conventions. It was, I mean, it was it was such a great experience because, again, in New Zealand, everyone knows everyone. So this idea of anonymity is great, but also. Everyone who knows the stuff that I do, they're like, oh, yeah, that's Alan. He does the mocap stuff. Mm. <laughs> right, but, yeah. But it was, for me, it was the first time to go outside of New Zealand and meet an international, for want of a better term, fan base. Right. To have people, you know, who don't know me and who aren't from New Zealand, like, that idea, like, like want to talk to me, to hark back to what, what you got, you and Steve talked about with that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. It's real hard to fight it. But when you have a bunch of people you don't know come up and be like, hey, we would like to validate the work that you've done. Right. It's a nice way for you to, for me, it was a nice way for me to remind myself. That's right. I have done some cool things that I really, really enjoy and I'm good at it. And it's really, you know, and it's worthy and it's. Oh, no, um, it's 100 percent worthy. But where yeah. I think you're different from a lot of the guests that they end up bringing in as a guy that's been doing this for 10 plus years, going to conventions and interacting with guests, having been a guest myself and on the cosplay side of things, your approachability and, and how interactive and how generous you are with your time with the people coming up to speak to you or you even approaching them. Like at, at that after party, you just came, you just walk over our table and start talking to us. And I'm like, oh, my God, like this guy, like this, guy, like he's just coming over and engaging with it. You don't have to do that. And a lot of them don't. And I think that sets you apart from a lot of people in your position that would never in a million years take the time to do that and then forge a relationship and 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 some 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 talk with us and then come on to our little geeky podcast that we do here for the last couple of years. All of that, I think, speaks to your character and, and how how it how how well you you interact with people that are clearly fans of you and fans of your work so kudos to you man for for taking that time and being that accessible with people and, and having such a great attitude about it because oh, it's a it, it's refreshing i have to tell you <laughs> yeah well it's honestly it's the only it's the only way it kind of works here in mm -hmm. new zealand like you got to find that community and you got to yeah you know and also but also you know you like genuinely i i like 
meeting new friends. Yeah. And I like getting to know people. And there's there are every person I meet always has something really interesting that I would never have guessed about. And especially when, like you were talking about earlier about finding your people and, and getting like, mm. those like-minded individuals that you can share and things with and, and yeah. create that community around you. That's, that's not the easiest thing to do. And so when you find those people, you tend to hold on to them pretty tight because that's. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and people. it's not going to be, it's not going to be everyone you meet. No, of course not. Like, yeah, there was some, there were some people at the, at Windsor, in Windsor at the convention that I met and I was like, Oh, well, I don't think we're going to vibe. Right. You like I'm I'm not gonna be a I'm not gonna be a jerk I'm not gonna right be no, a, of course but like yeah we're not gonna vibe so I will well, treat you you know I'll treat I'll still treat you with dignity and respect and of course um yeah thankfully cool. most pretty much everyone I met was awesome so <laughs> right uh we're Canadians we we try to we try to bring that as much as we can hmm. well another thing you were saying I think in the pre-show is is you know you were actually able to meet Kaylee for the first time which you had never actually oh, yeah met. yeah you know you did a yeah, movie yeah, yeah. with her literally and you never yeah. actually met her until you got to Windsor yep Hilarious. yeah so she did all of her stuff in, in principal photography who, and so for, for those watching who so who is Kaylee and what's the production that we're talking about so Kaylee Hoddle played Gia in Godzilla vs Kong yes and uh so she was on set working with uh like stand-ins and stunt performers and and like blue balls on sticks and like cutouts or whatever and then I had to kind of look at her footage and we had conversations about what was happening in the scene and what Kong was doing. And then would I would interact and they would kind of make that, like connect the dots in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, the first time I met her was at the convention. Um, and it Isn't was, awesome? it was wild. It was so yeah. wild. <laughs> and she was great. She was so cool. Her and her mom was super cool. Do you tr tend to catch up or keep up with some of the some of the more ancillary projects that kind of maybe surround your because the monster verse is like a whole thing now. So now, like I'm personally watching uh, Monarch Legacy of yeah. Monster. I think that the yep. sixth episode, I think the seventh episode drops tonight or tomorrow. Yep. Uh, yep. Do you try to keep up with that a little bit on the periphery mm -hmm. so that because it might impact what you guys are doing in in that particular like especially with 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 Godzilla uh, and Kong with the uh, the new Empire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, I grew up watching Godzilla films. So yeah. it's been, it's been a part of the reason why I do what I do. Yeah. Like I watched, I didn't watch much of the Showa era. I kind of came in near the Heisei era. Yeah. Um, um, and, but yeah, all those big monsters and weird creatures. And I was like, it's obviously a dude in a suit. Mm -hmm. um, and then over the years, I was like, wow, this is a skill and a real, like, it's really hard work and I value it. Um, you know, and it was I like, yeah, I love that stuff. Like, yeah. uh, I have actually tonight I've booked a session at a like an IMAX cinema for my son and I to watch Godzilla minus one. Yes, nice. Everybody's yeah, talking I, about this film. Everybody on planet Earth is talking about this film. Yeah, I saw yeah. the trailers and I was like, yes, it looks I so amazing. This. It looks, mm. and everybody yeah. in the other scene, it's like this is it. Like this is what we want. This is exactly mm. what we want. And um, I and I and I want to show that. I want to show that film to my son because he loves, like, he loves Japan. Mm. He loves watching it. Loves, he's learning Japanese. He like really like trying to find out more about the culture. Yeah. And I want to show him minus one before I show him Godzilla versus Kong. Right. Because what Toho do with Godzilla versus what Legendary do with Godzilla are very different, and they're, sure. they're they, and you have to recognize what those differences are. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was having a conversation with someone about Shin Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I don't, I don't understand it. And I was like, you don't have to. It's no, different. No, no, no. Yes. Shin is a different idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And different the legendary of that character. Strong, the character's been around idea. since the 50s. Come on, guys. Like, we're yeah. going to get different interpretations of the character for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I have I have a sneaky, yeah, like I have a sneaky photo of me with one of the original King Kong posters, like one of the original first ones from like the 30s. The 30s, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like it's very sneaky. Yeah. Peter Jackson has a collection of old film memorabilia. Okay. Um that and, seems like the most Pete Jackson thing ever. Of course he does, right? He he really does. He's trying yeah. to open like a film a museum. Which I don't know. It sounds like he just wants people to pay for him to store his stuff. <laughs> uh, like if he's gonna put chitty chitty bang bang in there, that's fine. But unless right. I get to drive it. Right, then it's not it's not <laughs> worth your time. No, no, that makes that makes I can't even sense. sit in that thing. No. Nope. Our friend Therese is saying it was fun to meet you, kind, friendly, and so damn talented. And Misty Wing oh, saying you, the same thing. He seems like such a genuine guy. Uh, I can tell you the Allen that we're getting here is basically the Allen that we met in Windsor. So it's not that there's no, if there's a secret Allen, we haven't met him yet. This no, is, this no, is the no. dude. He's, he's super nice. Super friendly. Um, guys, we're, we're already, you know, 15 minutes over our hour, but oh, man. I, I, I do want to uh, uh, quickly, again, I know you can't really talk much about the new movie, but it, hmm. how is Kong different in the new movie versus what you did in the last movie? Well, the biggest, the biggest difference is in the last movie, he thought he was the only one. He thought mm -hmm. he was alone. And in this one, he realizes he's not. And that changes a lot of things. Uh, so it changes his, uh, his his reason for doing what he's doing is different. Whereas the previous one was like, they wanted to find, you know, they wanted to use Kong as an excuse to get to Hollow Earth. Mm -hmm. And then he got there and realized he was part of a, of a legacy. Um, and then, you know, stuff happens with Godzilla and then stuff happens with Mechagodzilla. This one is now he's he's aware of kind of that he was part of this thing. And then new characters arrive, which change his reasons for doing what he does. It does seem it's more character focused on Kong and and and, and expansion of sort of his world and his circle as mm. opposed to on the Godzilla side. Yeah. Because we're not giving anything away. This is all in the trailers. It's in the trailer. Like you said, he's mm -hmm. not the only one. So clearly that's mm. going to impact him as a character throughout. Mm. And, they've and there's a new, there's a new job. Titan. Like they're yeah. introducing a new Titan. Yeah. And they've done such a brilliant job of giving Kong so much. I literally just rewatched a couple of uh, of the of the things just to kind of get in, in a mood to talk to you and 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 what they've been able to do with Kong and how much emotion they've been able to bring to that character. Uh, just uh, how much they've been able to anthropomorphize that character and and bring mm. us like especially like the really deep close-ups of the eyes to really give you an insight into his soul almost, mm. um, which is a credit to you obviously, but. I like how that's going. Like, I like how they're mm. taking that because obviously of the two mm. characters, I feel like Kong is the more relatable of the two. It gives us some, you know what I mean? Like mm. we don't know any giant actual lizards. We we know an <laughs> ape. It's just a big ape, but we know apes. We have apes in that's, our everyday life. Exactly. So. That's, that's the way in. That's the way in for the audience. Cause like, yeah. like Godzilla is like Godzilla is unequivocally king of the monsters. Right. Right. And he has been a bad guy sometimes, and he's been an anti-hero sometimes, but he's ultimately kind of set up as this, nowadays, he's kind of set up as this weird kind of apex protector of, of kind of- A little bit of right. Dizek Machina, a little bit, at the end of the a day, bit. right? Like, we need a problem, better call Godzilla a little bit, right? Yeah, and also, yeah. and also, like, when you, when you look at, like, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, like, like, Kong got his ass beat two times in a row. Right. By Godzilla. Like, and then Mechagodzilla turns up and suddenly Godzilla's like, oh, okay, this is a bit more of a challenge. And it 
because he then decides to partner up with Kong, that's how they can overcome this new challenge. So, like, Godzilla has his own reasons for doing what he's doing. Kong is the one where you can see him analyzing situations, figuring things out, making choices, having emotional reactions to things. Uh, and, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that's to pull anything away from Godzilla, but I think they, ha- like, because, as you say, that, recogni- that recognition of, a, of an mm. ape for yes. humans. yes. That's the way in, and and I think that's why Weta and the directors really focus on him having such an emotive face. A huge, well, and I, I think they made like... a good point in the first in Kong Skull Island. I know that wasn't a production you're part of, but they made a point to say he's still growing. He's essentially an adolescent, so mm. he is mm. evolving as we're seeing him film after film after film because he's not. Yeah. He's also aging, like he's becoming an mm. adult, and he's learning these yeah. things and being part of this greater universe and world. And now all the Hollow Earth stuff, and now finding out he's not the only one. I just love that they've created an arc for this. What at the end of the day mm. was just a guy that everybody associated with climbing a building and falling in love with a human woman. Now yeah. he's this nuanced character that we get to mm. explore and learn more mm-hmm. about. And it's super and cool for you that you get to bring him to life like that. That's so wild yeah. to me that you get to do it's that. It's pretty. So, it's pretty great. And also yeah. in this recent like. As, you, as we saw in the previous one and this one about to come out, Kong is the one who has stronger connections to humans. Right. Like yes. Like the other, like the other big monsters. I mean, I know that I know that Mothra is kind of was kind of a protector of humanity, but monsters like Anguirus and King Ghidorah, they're like it feels like their focus is like I want to challenge the the boss. Right. I want to fight. I want to fight to be the apex. Right. They don't get they don't get they haven't been shown having that much of a connection with the humans as much as Kong has. Right. Even I Godzilla like at the end of the day. More, yeah, no, yeah, you're Kong right. definitely has more of a connection with the human. Yeah, side, and he has sure. more emotions and he has more mm. complexity to what he does mm. and how he moves. And where Godzilla is yeah. just, you know, it's about taking down the bad guy, right? It's about taking mm. down the next monster, right? Like I I which you know, which like that's that's kind of the point. Like it's, if you hearken back to films like Pacific Rim, the point was big robot fight big monster. That's right. the point. Yes. You know, and then we you can pepper in all this other stuff if you want to, but the point is big robot fight big monster. Godzilla is like, Godzilla is king of monsters. So something challenges him. He has to try and beat it to prove he's king of the monsters. You know, I feel like, like with the Godzilla film, though, you still have to introduce a human element. And I know they do the same thing with the Kong movies, too. But I feel mm. like with the Kong movies, it's not as important because Kong will bring that. He'll bring that emotionality mm. to mm. it and that character growth. Whereas mm. with Godzilla, you have to have a human allegory for the audience to interact with because yeah. you can't interact with a giant atomic breath lizard. Whereas with Kong, there's, you can see a little bit of yourself in Kong mm. at the end mm-hmm. of the day, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the day, it just looks like he's just a guy trying to like just as Boba Fett would say, just, yeah. just, just a man making his way through the galaxy. He's just an ape making his way through the world, you know? He's yeah. just yeah. just doing his thing. I love and, it. And, and, imagine, and shit oh, him, you know what I mean? It's imagine like, Tim like, Morrison doing the voice, eh? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just an ape trying to make just, my way in the universe. Make my way through the hollow earth. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. But he is, yeah, he just like, he, yeah, Kong, Kong is kind of just turning into this like grumpy old man who just, just wants to kind of live his life. I can relate, man. I get yeah. it. Right. I, yeah. I, I totally get it. Yeah. Cog yeah. and I were like this. Yeah. 
Um, so, so yeah, so you're 2024. So can you talk mm. about anything that you're going to be doing in 2024 other than possibly go to Nairobi with your son for the VFX talk? Or is there anything um, else that you can, you can share with us? Not at the moment, actually. Okay. No, the, okay. the current project I'm on goes from January to April. Oh, so, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, there's a, it's a, it's a live action, uh, CGI kind of hybrid film. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are sections where we're filming all of the virtual digital stuff, and then there are yep. sections where we're filming the live action. I so gotcha. it's kind of ballooning out across the, uh, across the first half of the year. So that'll be, that'll be me for, for most of that, apart from like appearances in like, D and D podcasts that I might do with my friends, or you know, things <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I knew we'd have to get back to some tabletop RPG at some point or other. Mm. Clearly, you're a fan, uh, yes, based on your so. sweater. Yeah. Do you? How do you find time to nerd out with with your dice set and your friends to play? Do you have a regular group that you get to play with, or is this kind of yeah. like a catch and Ken thing? Well, it's 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 a it's it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, there's a group of friends that I um meet uh online we play a lot of online video games together um we're like we've been playing destiny 2 for a long time and we kind of got onto the subject of uh playing dungeons and dragons and we've been we've been involved in a curse of stride campaign for like two two and a half oh, years now curse of stride, we play was, like we try yeah. to play once a week but yep. scheduling changes for people i have some friends here in wellington that i try and meet with as often as i can and i have a group that i make time for once a month and we get together and we i'm running that game um Ooh. but i have i have three different systems cooking for next year so that i want to run because i love the systems and i want to introduce my friends to them so i'm going to run a deadlands campaign which is like yeah. the wild west but magic and monsters and spooky Ooh. all right um cool. uh lancer which is just neon genesis evangelion um and uh probably like a game of kids on bikes or tales from the loop which is which is just what it sounds like you're a kid on a bike think like stand by me goonies et so very you're, spielberg very yeah, yeah, yeah you're a bunch yeah. of kids and like it's very stranger things for yeah a oh life. yeah yeah of course mm -hmm. you're a bunch yeah. of kids weird things are happening yeah but you're still kids and you're the only ones who can figure it out and so still tabletop rpg but three completely yeah. different systems different systems yeah and then you're going to run each of these games as you learn the systems or you guys are going to yeah. kind of do it as a group and together and try to like oh. none of you have played any of these systems before i have i have you have I've, okay yeah. okay yeah, yeah i've played i've played a bunch of these were three that i'm like i know i have some friends who would be interested in these these kinds of games like I have, I have one friend Scott who really loves the crunchiness and the mechanics. Yep. And he loves Lancer because he's like, oh, this and abilities in here and do this and I you know roll the dice and do the math. Yeah. And then I have some friends who really love kind of more narrative, the role play aspect. Of yeah, it. yeah, which is where yeah. like Kids on Bikes lends itself because a lot of it is based around narrative. Yeah. And Deadlands is like it's cowboys and monsters. No, how do you so, not like cowboys and monsters? That's yeah. Absolutely. We put on we put on our stetsons and we get some fake <laughs> fake stick shooters and. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, uh, collaborative cosplay. We see <laughs> yeah. the, the group is saying this gentleman is an absolute delight. I hope to meet him at a convention oh. soon. And he's saying, hearing, yeah, I so as well. and I mentioned this early, but hearing your passion come through everything you said was incredibly obvious and touching to hear your side of giant creatures. Yeah, for sure. That's I mentioned that earlier. You clearly have a passion for this, and you're kind of lucky enough to work in that mm. in the field that you clearly have such a passion for. So, 
JS, I'm still hogging all the time, man. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't. No, be, that's okay. I think. Uh, I'm still I, wrapping I'm, her up. Yeah, I think it's about that time, mm -hmm. uh, guys. If you want to see what this guy does, make sure you go check out Godzilla vs Kong, or better yet, the New Empire, April twelfth, mm. on my birthday. The boot. Ooh. So look at that. I'm trying to look, get I'm out. Not, I'm not, look, I'm not clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're clearly going to have to get together. And, and yeah, yeah. Together. And go check that out. Yeah. Uh, any uh, chance you might be able to uh, rejoin us after that's out so we can actually talk details about the movie? Um, Yes. Let's yes, put them on the spot so. right in the middle of the podcast, guys. Let's put them on no, the spot think, live on the so, podcast. Because as far as I know, the project I'm working on at the moment, our final week of principal photography is the week after oh, so two there weeks after go. the film comes out i reckon we'd have time to be honest i would love i mean i love you guys i would love to come and chat some more and be nerding we love you um too. i keep i keep telling everyone about the super cool people that i met when i was at the convention so for everyone i met at the northern national <laughs> thank you for improving my life did you oh i mean i didn't show you this um just a quick, a quick sign of side thing. Dude, take as much time as you want. We're for, for, for when I was at the Northern National, um, the MCs found out that there were a bunch of like Canadian sweets and treats and delights and desserts I hadn't tried. So Before. every day people were bringing me things like coffee crisps and like Dr. Peppers and things. Yeah. Which was great because I love sweets. Yeah. Um, and then we had a day where they realized I hadn't had butter tarts. <gasps> and so, oh, my God. Oh. I had it. So they made me, and what they did was they found out that I hadn't tasted them. Christian Convery hadn't tasted them. He's from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, Vanessa hadn't tasted them. And she's Canadian. So it became this like live panel where we. It, had to, it, like, it is mostly Eastern and, and Quebec Canadian. It's not, it's, it's not really a is Western really? Canadian treat. Yeah. Lex, Lex yeah. did buy coffee crisps for me. Yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah, awesome. Coffee crisps. Yeah. That's true. Um, so we had this tasting and I, and I mean, the butter tarts blew my mind. That was so, so good. Amazing. So good. That's I have some so, homemade ones here right now. It's, it's, they're great. There was, there was this, this, um, this wonderful, um, wonderful person helping run the 504, 501st stall. Yep. And, um, they saw that I hadn't, uh, tried them. So they literally, like, I don't know if you can see it. They hand wrote me the recipe <laughs> nice. to make my own butter tarts. So for Christmas. I am going to make butter tarts. I can tell no, you, as a tried and true Canadian uh, and a and person that does get involved in this, there is there it, it, there's going to be a trial and error phase. Sure. Uh, like, I know I know people that like bake cookies and pies and everything all the time, and, and they could just rattle that thing off all the time. But but the the new the subtle nuances of the butter tart just keeps kind of like eluding them a little bit. They get a little bit too runny, a little too firm or whatever. So you, I'm just prepping you. There may be some trial and error. Mm -hmm. Some people might be eating just some some very very sloppy butter tarts. No no one's gonna be mad because it's dude. It's so delicious. delicious. So did you get a chance to actually have a butter tart? I had many. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now did you raisin now, or no raisin? I was just gonna say typically uh, it's, it's raisin and or pecan. I don't know how you guys say it in, in New Zealand. Pecan. Pecan. pecan yeah. All right. Did <laughs> um, you try both? I, had, I didn't. I didn't have any of the raisin ones. No. Oh, the raisins. Oh, that's my favorite. There was one. There was one I had that had. I think it was pecan in it or pecan and another one that was Plain. maple. Oh yeah. Sometimes there's, fruit? there's neither, but yeah, like mm. the ones I have here with me right now are raisin. And that's definitely my favorite for sure. Oh so, yeah. I love the raisin. Ones. Oh, my Excellent. So, so, so good. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. 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 
yep, yep. But yeah, curious to how it, you have to update us when you try to make them. I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you post the pictures and you tag yeah, yeah, the geek yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. I will. Sure. I will. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Alan, before we go, um, mm. anything you want to pitch? Any, uh, if you want to rename, you, you know, talk about your socials again, anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can find me at Alan Henry underscore official on Insta, uh, which kind of means I'm also on threads, but I don't often go in there. Same. Yeah. I had, I had, I've, I think I've got a blue sky as well. Again, there's nothing on there. I don't yeah, do yeah. much on social yep. media. Um, I boosted from X slash Twitter a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, terrible. Yeah, no thanks. Um, but yeah, I'm on Facebook because I have aunties and uncles who are on Facebook, and that's the yep. only way we can communicate. Yep. But honestly, like if I had to plug stuff, watch Godzilla vs. Kong, sure. Um, watch big monster films. Watch superhero films. Go and see the things that you love. Go and do the stuff that you love. Play tabletop role-playing games. Play video games. Go bike riding. You know, go cliff jumping, dress up in, in costumes with your friends and hang out. Do the do the stuff yeah. that really lights up eight-year-old you. Because that's that's what gets you through. And that's that's what I always want to tell people to do. Because that's what that's what I try and do. <laughs> the charm life he leads. I guys. love that we got to meet a little bit of eight-year-old Alan here today. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, yeah. Alan, listen, thank you so, so, so much for coming on, man. That was awesome. It was fantastic meeting you in Windsor. Dude, having you on, uh, this is wicked. We're definitely going to have to have you on again. You know, anytime yes, you're free and you want to be mm -hmm. on, you have my email address. Shoot me a message. Mm -hmm. We will have you on every week again. Excellent. Excellent. And thank well, you great. guys for everybody that joined us mm. today for the last hour and a half. You guys were mm. amazing in the chat, keeping up with us, asking pertinent questions of Alan. Please go check out uh, his Instagram and, and definitely check out his work because we are in, in April, we're going to have a brand new movie, Godzilla X Kong. The new empire make sure you're going to be checking that out as well mm. uh, the trailer is already out for it if you're not sure where to find it you can actually find it on alan social so go check that out as well and yeah mm -hmm. hopefully we get to have alan on again but thanks everybody for joining us this week we do appreciate you guys we will be back next week for our end of the year wrap-up we'll be going over all of 2023 including talking to alan obviously and getting to meet him at windsor we'll talk about all the different cons we were at all the different guest spots that we did all the booths that we did all the Maybe events plan and then we're going to take a week off and then we'll see you guys in the new year where we're going to have a whole new thing that's going to be going on. And just so you guys know, too, I was, uh, just as an aside, I did visit our friends at the London Brewing Co-op last night. I was there and I was speaking with one of the owner managers there. So we are getting ready. We're going to meet in January to organize our May the 4th Star Wars event sponsored by the Geeks and Company at London Brewing Co-op. We're going to be doing that. We're going to be discussing a new beer that uh, they're going to brew for us specifically with our name and label on it. Uh, so there May the 4th. here with a small batch. It's yeah, there, we're, well, like seven o'clock. No time. good. Uh, by the way, that is also the same day as Free Comic Book Day. So we're going to try to bridge the gap. In the morning, we're going to hit downtown, hit Free Comic Book Day, and then the evening we're going to be, or the afternoon and the evening, we're going to be at London Brewing Co-op celebrating yeah, Star yeah. Wars with all of our Star Wars friends. So stay tuned for all of that, guys, but definitely join us next week. Alan, again, man, thank you so, so much for joining. I know it's, by the way, guys, it's, what is it? You're 1.30 p.m. on Friday now in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you from the future. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah, again, man. You were so forthcoming. Uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing with us what you do and how you do it. Uh, it's fascinating, and, I, and I, get, I do hope we get to talk to you again for sure. So My, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. No, thank you. I think that will be it for this week, though. Make sure you stay mm -hmm. geek, everybody. We'll see you next week.
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Geek Geek Podcast. Like always, if you prefer to listen to us, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Now, make sure you don't forget to click that like and subscribe button, as well as the notification bell to make sure you never miss anything. 